Hi everyone, David Stanky with the Live Wire Politics Podcast. Let's jump right into it. I don't have to tell you things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. It's a depression. Everybody's out of work or scared of losing their job. The dollar buys a nickel's worth. Banks are going bust. Shopkeepers keep a gun under the counter. Punks are running wild in the street and there's nobody anywhere who seems to know what to do and there's no end to it. We know the air is unfit to breathe and our food is unfit to eat. We sit watching our TVs while some local newscaster tells us that today we had 15 homicides and 63 violent crimes as if that's the way it's supposed to be. We know things are bad, worse than bad. They're crazy. It's like everything everywhere is going crazy, so we don't go out anymore. We sit in the house, and slowly the world we're living in is getting smaller, and all we say is, please, at least leave us alone in our living rooms. Let me have my toaster and my TV and my steel-belted radios, and I won't say anything. Just leave us alone. Well, I'm not going to leave you alone. I want you to get mad. I don't want you to protest. I don't want you to ride. I don't want you to write to your congressman because I wouldn't know what to tell you to write. I don't know what to do about the depression and the inflation and the Russians and the crime in the street. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being. Damn it. My life has value. So I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window Open it and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. I want you to get up right now. Get up, go to your windows, open them and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. And that, ladies and gentlemen, was a clip from the movie Network, which came out in 1976. Now, I don't know about you, but after hearing that, I ran to my window And I yelled, I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. You know, the more things change, the more things stay the same. So today I wanted to provide a brief commentary on perhaps why the events took place at the Capitol on January the 6th. Reasons why we can't stay on the sidelines anymore. And provide some meaningful solutions for how we are going to fix this country and, and make no mistake about it. Our nation is fractured right now. And to throw out a slight disclaimer, a lot of this discussion is going to be based on explanation. Doesn't mean that I personally have to support it, but I think that's one of the major problems we're having in this country is we're not able to have an effective dialogue where we can explain the events around us without necessarily jumping to the conclusion that you have to support that explanation. There's a meaningful difference. So like all of us, I've had a few days to digest the events at the Capitol. And I will say that I was extremely disappointed and saddened at the events and what took place, but I wasn't surprised because millions of Americans were fed misinformation about how the election process actually takes place in this country. The belief that Congress has any say whatsoever in the certification of the electoral votes has never been true. Moreover, the vice president does not have the constitutional authority to reject electoral votes. He only has the authority to reject back to the states electors who had been fraudulently elected. In this case, this did not happen. So there are plenty of issues that surfaced during this election that need to be dealt with and addressed on the state level. Whether it's the verification of signatures on mail-in ballots or lax voter ID laws or a refusal to update registration rolls 
or a refusal to allow for partisan observers to witness vote counting. These are all things that need to be addressed on the state level. Unless, of course, we change things to have federally mandated voting requirements for federal elections. So if I were to sum up exactly maybe why we're having many of the issues that we're having today, it is a crisis in leadership. Congress, year over year, has a 10% approval rating. And frankly, I want to know who those 10% really are. We are seeing record lows in our trust in journalism, in our public officials, in our corporate executive leadership. And frankly, I don't see it getting any better. You know, one of the first leadership rules I came across when I started leading teams was leaders need to be a thermostat and not just a thermometer. When they come into a room or when they're leading people or delivering a message, they set the temperature. So while it is true that President Trump did not directly order or encourage any violence or mayhem at the Capitol, he is responsible for the temperature that he set in the weeks leading up to the events happening on January 6th. Just in the same way that Senator Bernie Sanders was not directly responsible for one of his supporters going to a congressional softball game and shooting a Republican congressman, but he is responsible for the rhetoric that he dialed up, stating that the Republicans were going to install death panels and kill off senior citizens. Which leads me to my next point on why we are feeling the way we are, and that is that we are having two sets of standards that are being applied to nearly everything in our society. You know, all we're asking for, and I say we as in we the people, all we are asking for is intellectual honesty and consistency. And unfortunately, we're just not seeing that. And that is a major contributing factor to the angst that we're seeing around us. So the way we define a protester and a rioter needs to be applied to both what happened at the Capitol and during the protests over summer. The moment a protester breaches the Capitol walls and commits vandalism, they are now a rioter. The same way that the moment a protester in the street commits an act of violence or theft, they are no longer considered a protester and we can't have different standards because we might feel like we want to support one movement over another or one group against another because one man's burned down target is another man's storm capital. And of course, you have much of the country looking at the scenes of the Capitol saying a different standard of policing was applied. The Capitol has a half a billion dollar police budget and all the resources in the country, and yet people were walking into the halls of the Capitol as if it were a dollar tree. And one of those uncomfortable truths that I think anyone who's worked or has dealt in law enforcement is if you're going to secure an area or secure a building, you need the political support. And it was very obvious for everyone watching that that just wasn't so. Staying on the same topic, you know, this pandemic has shown us that we have two dueling sets of standards that are being applied. We have seen mayor after mayor governor after governor, health official after health official, engaging in do as I say, but not as I do, behaviors and policies. Or, in the case of Oregon Governor Kate Brown, pitting neighbor against neighbor by encouraging her residents to call the police on anyone who is disobeying the state's COVID-19 restrictions. Or Governor Cuomo, who initiated the banning of indoor dining, on the same day that his own health department came to the conclusion that indoor dining 
contributed to less than 2% of transmissions of COVID-19 in the state of New York, or the fact that when we have now school closures that are taking place, it's in defiance of the research and the science that we've actually produced since summer. Because even the CDC will tell all of us that if schools take the proper mitigation techniques, the risk of spreading COVID is extremely low. And yet we are still having this discussion about school closures and not having children in school. You know, the great Carl Sagan said that the brain has its own language for testing the structure and consistency of the world. And the more hypocrisy that we, the people, are witness to, the more and more we're going to see these type of events. Not, again, justifying any of it, but it's a natural consequence of poor, ineffective leadership. And people are just flat out pissed off. And this most recent COVID relief bill is a prime example of it. You wonder why people are mad? Speaker Pelosi puts the COVID relief bill to a vote, which includes additional omnibus spending. So you can't, as a member of the House, vote for COVID relief without having to vote for $10 million in gender studies programs in Pakistan or $1.3 billion in the form of border and security aid to Egypt at a time in which Americans have been waiting month after month for restrictions to be lifted and or government to come and assist them in the form of PPP loans or direct stimulus. No wonder people are mad and no wonder the America First motto resonates with 74 million people. And not only did this bill come with one vote for both, this bill, which was 5,900 pages, was provided to the House leaders and House members just hours before it came to vote. And only in a place that has a 10% approval rating would this even fly remotely. And you wonder why people are mad. There is no such thing as government funded. Everything is taxpayer funded. Every dollar that goes overseas or stays here domestically is funded by the U.S. taxpayer. So yes, people are upset. So what do we do? Well, first and foremost, there are 74 million people that voted for Donald Trump. 81 million people that voted for Joe Biden. We have to have a conversation. There are reasons why tens of thousands of people showed up on the streets in protest over summer for reforms on the criminal justice system as well as our police departments. There are reasons why tens of thousands of people showed up on the Capitol. There are reasons why we believe what we believe. And the suppression of that debate is an admission of intellectual bankruptcy and unfortunately, I hate to say it, I have friends and family members, colleagues and acquaintances that can't think of one reason why someone would vote for Donald Trump or, conversely, one reason why someone would vote for Joe Biden. I have seen postings online on social media from friends, family members, and colleagues that stated, if you voted for Donald Trump, please unfriend me now. We are done. Discussion over, etc., etc., and I humbly ask in response to that, what good is that going to do? Because all that will do will put each camp in their own echo chamber where they will be only listening to the reverberations of their own thoughts, their own ideas, never to be challenged, never to be discussed, never to be debated. Or, more consequently, you're going to have a nation full of what Jim Carrey was in Me, Myself, and Irene. 
someone who has not been able to process or talk about or have a release to the frustrations and anxieties that they feel about the institutions and the systems that surround their everyday life. And one can argue that the violence that we've seen this past week and over summer is in direct proportion to the suppression of having those meaningful conversations. And frankly, it's becoming abundantly clear that we are giving way too much of our investment of time and energy into national politics. And it's just tearing this country apart and really making us feel like we hate each other. Tip O'Neill said all politics are local, and I completely agree. We should never be giving federal leaders this much control over our lives. Don't rely on big media corporations or big tech companies to dictate how things should be via their terms of service agreements. So every time a profile is suspended or an article is suppressed or an independent fact checker comes in and tells you how you should be feeling about the information that you're reading, ask yourself, are you cheering for that suppression because it poses a grave threat to others? Or are you cheering the suppression or censorship of that speech because you don't like it, because you don't agree with it, because it's not in harmony with your worldview? And while the First Amendment doesn't protect you, the individual, from terms and service agreements from a private company as it would the suppression from government censorship, nonetheless, that doesn't stop you as the individual from learning more about what free speech actually means and what we should be tolerating and not. I recommend On Liberty by John Stuart Mills. Great, great read. That's going to wrap things up for today's episode. Again, find a way to get involved. It's okay to be mad. I'm mad. But we have to get through this together. We, the people, are going to ultimately see this through. And it's all going to happen on the local level. And it all starts with you and I. For the Livewire Politics Podcast, I'm David Stanky.